Welcome to the Base Path Podcast brought to you by New England Baseball Journal. The high school prep and college seasons in New England have all come to an end, and now it's time to talk to the people responsible for the most inspiring stories of the spring season. Lawrence Academy coach Chris Margraff led his team to an ISL championship after two draining years of dealing with the pandemic. Lawrence Academy went 17-4-1 overall and clinched its first ISL title since 2011 with a no-hitter against Tabor Academy. Chris, thanks for coming into the studio today. Dan, thanks thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure and an honor to be in here. Well, how are you how are you settling into the summer season? What are your what are your plans for the summer? Well, it's always interesting cuz you know, you have to really take a week off to really kind of digest everything um, because it's so intense particularly for for any spring coach um, up in the northeast, you know, playing two months almost 30 games. So, uh, yeah, so I do actually uh, New England Fishing Academy. I have a business in the summer with uh, Craig McLaughlin, who used to be my big arch rival at uh, BBNN. He's the head coach there, and um, we, like six, seven years ago, decided to make amends and uh, you know become friends and, and enjoy kind of our passion, which is which is fishing. So um, you know we partner with private schools, and and we're going to spend some time um, getting young kids interested in in the outdoors and getting away from cell phones and, and developing a lifelong passion. So so I've got uh, like five or six weeks of that. That. Um, my family spends some time up in Mid Coast, Maine, and uh, we have a place in uh, Hancock, New Hampshire, on about twelve acres. So, you know, I live at a boarding school, so it's it's nice to sometimes get away. Yeah, yeah, that is nice. Now, is it a different feeling after winning a championship? Is the summer does it make the summer that much better? Yeah, but I mean, I think in general, um, whether we were going to win a championship or not, it was just great to be able to, um, you know, be able to play a full season. Um, yeah, this is definitely icing on the cake. And I think when you, you, you spend as much time as all of our coaches do in, in the ISL from a, from a baseball, lacrosse, uh, softball, tennis standpoint, um, you know, being a head coach, there's a lot that goes into that nowadays. Um, and it's changed since, uh, I was, I was uh, younger. Um, so, yeah, it's it's definitely very gratifying. But I think I was most happy to, to see these seniors, um, you know, enjoy a full season and, and now feel gratified and heading off to um, their colleges that they're going to go to in the fall. That's great. Yeah. And you said coaching has changed so much since you started back in 1997. What do you think's changed the most? Well, I just think in general the expectations um, – the one thing is, is like as a teacher at, at, at Lawrence Academy, that, that comes first always, um, you know, and I do some college counseling and I've done some other things. And so, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not like, let's say being down South where you're at, let's say a Fort Worth country day school where you, you walk onto their campuses and, and I've been down there and, and their facilities are just so unbelievable. You know, I think at most independent schools, we don't want to overdo the athletic piece because we want to show that there's good balance uh, among athletics, arts, and all that. Um, so with that stated, uh, it's not like we get paid more or less uh, whether uh, we have a good baseball program uh, or whether we're ha- um, trying to bring good kids to the school and so on. So we're doing it because we, we just we, – the competition element. And, and we want to ha- create unbelievable experiences for for the kids on our teams. So um, it's changed in the sense that, A, we play more games. Um, B, uh, even, I think – higher expectations with bring trying to attract quality student athletes to the school uh and then the college placement piece you know working in conjunction with aau programs 
or like a Roughnecks program that's more of a developmental program uh, and all that. So a ton goes into that in terms of time, and then you add a layer on of a southern trip, and there's just, just, just a lot of work that goes into it. And you said you're so happy for your seniors uh, this year. And this year's seniors, you know, they really kind of got squeezed by the pandemic. They, they lost, you know, their sophomore year, junior year were, you know, some abbreviated schedules. Um, so it is nice, you know, anytime you see these guys get rewarded. I saw that you said your seniors in, uh, had as much leadership as you've ever seen uh, for any team in your program. How does that play out? Like, how did you, how, how did that impact the team throughout the season? Well, and I want to say we were fairly lucky. I do want to give a shout-out to Rob Murray at Nobles because they had an unbelievable team last year, and it was one of those where, as a coach, you're just like, oh, finally we're there, and it was a, a unique year where we really weren't playing um, for championships. Um, with regards to uh, you know this year and our seniors, um, it's just, you know, I, first of all, they're, they were layered in over time. We had three... Um, seniors who started for us as ninth graders um then you bring in a couple of sophomores and then you bring in a couple of juniors and the ingredients were there for a team that was going to have really good leadership that was going to you know be competitive um you know i'm from the keen area the monadnock region and um i think at times uh, kids get locked in over there fortunately i have good relationships with like Kevin Watterson, I, I played for his father, John Watterson. Kevin runs the, the Swamp Bats. He's the general manager. Um, Danny Moylan, who was a very good baseball player. He's the head coach at Keene High School. He played at, um, in the uh, St. Louis Cardinals organization and also for um, North Carolina, University of North Carolina. You know, and so I don't want to go um, plucking kids um, from there. Oh, Jim Fennell's another guy who, who runs their uh, junior Swamp Bats program. Um, but they all understand that giving kids an opportunity, uh, if they need it academically and athletically, uh, it makes sense. So I was able to get uh, three players from that area, Tucker Brown, Liam Yardley, and Jack McLaughlin. And um, they've always been very strong. They, they had a uh, Babe Ruth team that went to um, the World Series. Um, I forget. I think it was in Arkansas. You know, so so they had that, that great team bonding, and I think that those three helped to to create the leadership that we had um, with those um, six other seniors. Um, yeah, so I would say that that's what made them unique. Is that in this day and age where so many kids are at times, you know, you join a, a, an AAU team and maybe you then switch and go over to another AAU team. Um, the one nice thing about Keene is that, um, you know, they grow up with each other. They play Babe Ruth with each other. They then play the Junior Swamp Bats. And then maybe they make a decision to go to a different AAU program after that. But certainly I think the, the chemistry was there with them, and they, they kind of that trickled down to the other players. And when you talk to other coaches or when I talk to coaches before this season, uh, one of the common themes, you know, especially at the prep level, was everybody, they didn't know what to expect from other teams because they hadn't really seen, you know, players on other teams heading into the season. So they were like, I kind of know what we have and I, I like our team or our leadership, like you said, with your guys, but they didn't know, you know, what the competition was going to look like because they hadn't played a lot of games in the last two years. What were your expectations for your team going into the year and what did you set as goals? Well, first of all, Dan, I think, you know, obviously we just worry about Lawrence Academy and, and what we can do to get stronger um, day in and day out. Um, so I think for us, we were just taking it day by day. Um, we knew we were going to play the game um, fast and loose, if you will. 
um, more of a tribute to, not saying we're even close to this, but the Tim Corbin style at Vanderbilt where we just run, run, run. I think we knew we were going to be good defensively and we had enough pitching. Um, but we worried a little bit about the bats. Um, traditionally, we've you know batted like 230 as a team and we've had an ERA of like two. So the margins are so thin, uh, particularly in these one one run games and and we've played like that for the last four or five years um but i think we weren't going to compromise batting orders we we hit one of our our kids liam yardley in in the nine hole um he's one of the better hitters on our team just because we we just knew that he'd be able to turn the lineup over um and we kept running even if we knew we were going to get thrown out early in a game and maybe you know i'd second guess myself there but out of that the i don't know 22 games that we played we stole 107 bases and so that's pretty you know i've never done that before and we had that type of speed with regards to the other teams i mean you can't take any team lightly ever that's the beauty of this league and i think you had rick forestier on here a while back and rick was really part of that along with the tom flaherty's of the world and the eddie gallagher's of the world i've been there that long i feel like i'm i'm getting into tom and ed's category and that's a great category to be in but um you know, the baseball is really, it's a BBN and, and the day schools were always strong um, in the 90s. Um, and then I think over the last, I don't know, really since I don't know, 2008 or 2009, you, you saw this like migration of, of kids into all of the uh, ISL schools um, and kept baseball relevant. But not only that, it kept baseball really, really, really strong. And instead of baseball being the, the second sport kids play, and in this day and age, most of these kids, um, you know, they 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 specialize anyways. But you know, a lot of these teams now, instead of just having hockey kids who could play baseball, they now have you know baseball players. And Governors is a great example because their head coach is a young guy who went to Brown, and uh, they were struggled a little bit last year, as I recall, and then this year they were uh, very very good so i i think long story short what we end up doing is we know that every team's going to have a top pitcher who can you know play college baseball um and the league is so strong that you can't take anybody for granted and we found that out this year i know belmont hill who we were competing with most of the year um for that top spot found it out um and that's the beauty of it there's a lot of parity and was there a point in the season that you thought, um, hey, we might have, you know, we might have a championship team here? Was there, you know, a turning point or anything like that? That's a that's a good question, Dan. Yeah. So when there's always that tough stretch for us where we have to play Milton, we have to play uh, Belmont Hill, and we have to play Thayer, and we have to play all of them away. And with the way weather is, and, and, and this happens to everybody, so I'm not saying feel bad for us whatsoever, but it was a, a situation where Milton was undefeated at the time. Maddie Petrick does a great job with those kids, and we went in there and we played well. That's when we had this Braden Ryan, six foot seven from Salem, New Hampshire, had some rotator issues the year before, was just you know on fire and throwing really well. But he had some stiffness in his forearm and pitched five innings, and we get up, and then all of a sudden they come back, and we end up winning the game. Um, but then we end up knowing Belmont Hills on the schedule and we're undefeated. They have like one loss. And so that's going to be a big game. Um, you know, it gets rained out Wednesday and we go there Thursday and we play them and, and they, you know, they, their, their pitcher did an unbelievable job. I mean, Martin, Brady Martin, I believe. Yeah. He was just, um, on, you know, just a great job. And, and I think for both of us, you know, we made some, um, some mistakes and some errors and we lost, um, you know, four to one. And then we had to go to Thayer the next day. 
you know, and then you're on the bus and you show up and it's kind of a late start and you're there late. So it's a show and go situation. We get down early, we battle back to make it six, six, and then we lose seven, six. So at that point I'm like, okay, where's this going to go? Um, and it wasn't until after that game when we came back, I think the next game might've been, um, I forget who we played Brooks or whatever. And we, um, you know, we asserted ourselves and we kind of knew that that was going to be a springboard and we knew we still had a chance that this was not going to be a season in which the teams go undefeated. Um, so I would say probably as much as it, it stunk <laughs> driving down to Thayer and losing that game in the seventh inning, the way we did, it was a walk-off win for a coach Forrest Deer squad commend him on that but um it was after that where we needed to make a decision as to where we we're going to take this yeah and was it disappointing i reached out to you before um in, like in the final week of the season just to find out hey is there i know there has been talks of an isl tournament um but it you know the pandemic kind of interrupted that uh plan to have an isl tournament Did, do you wish you had one this year and and what are your thoughts on having it in the future yeah, I mean, I, I think we just knew we weren't going to have one, so we didn't really think too much about it um, just because we wanted to be able to play 15 of our league games. And, Dan, with us playing, like, the expectation is it's not that you just play 15, right? I mean, we're allowed to play 22 after our first league game, you know, and we all try to get as many games in as we can. Um, and those aren't, you know, those are against teams like Winchenden. Those are teams against, like teams against uh, Worcester Academy, or that's like uh, – Cushing Academy, those schools, I mean, so the, or Exeter, those aren't sleepers. So, um, you know, and, and then you're in a dilemma there as to who do you throw? Do you, do you throw your top guys and, and, and kind of waste them in those games or do you save them for your league games? And so that's always been a little bit of the dilemma for the ISL. Um, but in terms of playoff, we knew lacrosse had gotten their first sniff at that this year. Um, and so kind of, they may have been like the, the, the lab rats for it. Um, it seems to have worked pretty well. I think that there's no doubt that we want a playoff, but it just means we're going to have to cut back on, you know, two league games in order to get it in because all these schools have graduations at different times. And, but yeah, I think um, we've talked in our, at the end of the year um, meeting, um, Kenny Ackerman, uh, head coach at Tabor does an unbelievable job as our league secretary. And I think we're going to, you know, uh, be able to, to get one through, uh, just because lacrosse has been able to do it. And, and I think if we work with our ADs on a good plan, it'll be nice. It'll be, it'll be good to have that. Um, it's that added layer. I think for us this year, it was fortunate that the Tabor game almost was kind of like that for us. Um, but with more and more of these other leagues doing it, um, I think it makes sense that the ISL move in that direction too. You mentioned uh, 2008, 2009 kind of being the year that the ISL really took off. And uh, I remember when we did a story a few years ago about kind of the rise of prep baseball, you had credited um, Tyler Beatty as, you know, once he came to Lawrence Academy, things kind of changed and it became, you know, kind of more of a baseball school, baseball destination. Um, And that that 2011 team that you had went undefeated. Um, How did this year's championship run stack up against that one? Yeah, that's a great question. Very, very different teams. Um, I would say that there's a number of other kids that led up to the Tyler Beatty situation. Logan Gillis is an assistant coach for me, and um, he was a, he actually played at Lawrence for five years because he repeated his junior year um, just because he knew academically and athletically it would help him. So um, it allowed us to bring in guys like Joe Napolitano, who went to Wake Forest, who later pitched at uh, St. John's for a fifth year and then ended up in the Mets organization, and then Max Tishman also. So we had these other players that were pretty good. Sean Mullaney, who played four years at Bowdoin College, great shortstop for us. 
um, Kevin Nikowski, great catcher. So we really could hit the baseball. I mean, that was one of those teams that just um, had talent everywhere, big, strong kids. Um, and then, yeah, you add that type of player on there, like a Tyler Beattie, or have a guy like Max Tishman who could throw. I mean, you got two kids going to Wake Forest on that team, and then you got a kid going to Vanderbilt or a kid who was drafted that year, so in the first round. Um, so I think that there were more eyeballs on that team. Obviously, we had tons of scouts at all the games and, and so on, so maybe there was some added pressure on Tyler there. And it was a team that went undefeated, and, and there's only a couple other teams that have gone undefeated in the ISL. It's just not easy to do. So from that standpoint, it was, it was special. I don't necessarily know we played quite as many games then, um, you know, from that standpoint. But if you remember that that draft in 2011 was unbelievable for New England kids. Um, Coach Pender's um, UConn squad had two guys in in, um, in Barnes um, and Springer, Corey Springer. I mean, you, you know, and then you had Tyler who was drafted uh, 21 overall by the Blue Jays. And then a big decision to make whether you go to Vanderbilt and, and you play uh, college baseball or whether you go right into the draft. Uh, and that, you know, is becoming a bigger, bigger thing, right? Because there's so much of this Tommy John. And who knows? You know, Tyler ended up with Tommy John last uh, year and a half ago, um, now traded to the Pirates and doing well for them. But who knows? Playing at Vanderbilt might have caused more stress. Um, but at the same time, he got a great education, and, and he won a College World Series. This team was a bunch of, like, cast-offs uh, that in 2022. Um, you know, they were kids coming from, like, the Monadnock region. They were coming from Lexington High School. They were coming from Sudbury. They were coming from the Worcester area and so on. And, you know, they weren't a bunch of Division One players, right? Um, you got, like, a Liam Yardley going to Bates. You got a Tucker Brown who's going to NC State but not playing baseball but is a, a, a terrific athlete in football and baseball probably had an opportunity to go to Tufts. You have Jack McLaughlin, who was a cast-off when he was younger on that Babe Ruth team. He, he never even played on the team that went to Arkansas. And he rises up to become the MVP of the league. Um, yeah, and, and, and he's going to Tufts. Um, yeah, so I, I would I would say, and, and then James Agabitas, obviously our leader in middle infield, who, who's going to Tulane. So I just I think that the team camaraderie there, um, was was really really strong. I don't want to discount what happened in 2011, but this was much more small ball baseball, getting bunts down, which we still struggle with, getting guys over, stealing bases, throwing guys out, throwing behind runners, hitting cutoffs, you know. And I credit a lot of that to Coach Gillis, who who came in and um, was my you know assistant the last couple of years. But this was our first full year. And Logan brings some new ideas and fresh looks to things. And so I think um, that really helped us in terms of the running game. The Base Path Podcast will be back after these messages. Looking to keep up with all the latest news and information on New England baseball? New England Baseball Journal and BaseballJournal.com are the premier resources for information and inspiration on the New England baseball scene. Have every issue of New England Baseball Journal, the magazine, delivered to your home or office. And don't forget to stay in the game every day with a digital subscription to BaseballJournal.com to receive baseball coverage on clubs, college commits, prep and high school, Division 1, 2, and 3 colleges, showcases, rankings, and much more. Get in the game and behind the scenes now by going to BaseballJournal.com. Just click on the subscribe button and start the subscription that is right for you today. New England Baseball Journal is a Siemens Media publication. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative. 
insightful. Are you serious about playing your sport in college? Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7, 365. Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. This fall, Quincy College in Quincy, Massachusetts drops the puck on its first ever hockey season in the City of Presidents, just 10 minutes from Boston. The Granite, as they're known, will play in the CHF Collegiate Hockey Federation against Babson, Mass Maritime, Nichols, Sacred Heart, and D3 programs at UNH and Farmingdale State in New York. The Quincy College Granite will be well coached. Kyle Robertson has been coaching regional junior teams for 20 years, and over 100 of his players have gone on to NCAA programs. Kyle's assistant is Matt Gibbs who's been coaching at North Quincy High for 12 years and won three titles there. Three years ago, he was the MIAA Coach of the Year. And as far as the educational part, Quincy College has a lot to offer. 37 different two-year degrees, and it's super affordable. There's even a new four-year business management degree that costs much less than other four-year schools. Want to make some history in a first-year hockey program? Now's your chance. Get more info at quincycollege.edu forward slash hockey. Then prep baseball, it seems like uh, the, the way the pandemic seemed to affect it was uh, a lot of guys, you know, were doing PG years because, uh, you know, the college recruiting scene uh, kind of went on pause there for a season as guys had to stick around for the red shirt seasons. Uh, another, th- a lot of guys reclassified too. How do you think uh, the ISL stacks up, you know, in 2022 versus before the pandemic? What were the biggest changes? So, um, yeah, I think that the, the, the reclassifying has always been a thing in the ISL because we don't have uh, postgraduates. Um, you know, I, I do take a Tucker Brown. I don't think he would have thought of going to Lawrence because I think he was thinking about doing a PG year out of Keene High School. But because of the pandemic and, you know, it's interesting what was, I um, mean, and I think public schools do a great job, but it, there's still, you, know, you think, why is there still a demand for private uh, education? Because the price tag's so high, but it seems like families knew that we were going to just maybe be hybrid barely and then and then go you know into having everybody back on campus so and that's the way it was at Lawrence um, we only had one time when we were virtual which was uh, in 2020 that spring and then when we started the next year we were we were hybrid I mean as teachers we were in the classroom we were either um, having kids that were on teams or or that were in, in the classroom um, but in terms of the way the baseball landscape changed I just think that you know, the AU programs did a really, really good job because they were still able to apply. Um, it's just that it's different at that level. It's like when you're playing in a league game in the spring, it's just different. You're going to school with those kids. Um, you're competing with those kids in other sports. You're you're doing other things with them. So I, I just think that that's the, the one thing that changed is that I, and I don't fault the, the kids for this whatsoever, is the social media piece and, and wanting to get exposure that way, that when reality then hit them when they were actually competing on, on our teams was, oh my gosh, wait a minute, 
um, this is different. Yeah, you got to get the bunt down. Yeah, you got to hit it, uh, get the guy over. Yeah, you got to hit the cutoff. You got to do all these little things that maybe you weren't doing as much of just because we weren't practicing that, you know, that way. Um, not that AAU teams don't do that. I'm just saying that it was, it's just, you, you had kids that were wanting to commit before it was even time to commit. There was an edginess to them, perhaps. And they were putting the commitments or the exposure before actually competing. I think that's the best way to put it. Yeah. Um, and I think that was the biggest change as coaches for able to harness that and to get these kids to understand that failing is okay, um, but to, to have the mind of a goldfish and, and to get right back out there. I know you say uh, one of the, or I guess the biggest impact that you can have as a coach is to helping guys with the process of uh, finding the right fit in terms of colleges and recruiting. How do you do that w- for your players? Yeah, I mean, for me, fortunately, it's just I've been around the league long enough where I, I've gotten to know a lot of the coaches. Um, I also do college counseling, so a lot of my kids that I have are not athletes. Um, you know, there are people out there. That Rick Forstier, um, who I think has made mention that he was moving on in his last podcast. So yeah. he's going to be doing some work with supporting kids um, through that. Uh, Walter Beattie, uh, Tyler Beattie's dad, has been been a big help. Um, you know, so so I have to pick and choose where my strengths are as a coach. Um, I, I have more of a strength probably at the Division three level um, and at no... You know, a considerable number of coaches at the D1 level, but that's where I might use a guy like Coach Forrestier or a guy like uh, Coach Beatty to help support with that process. Um, certainly, uh, you know, when you, you you look at the Division One schools that some of our kids have gone to, those clearly are coaches that look for kids in the Northeast, particularly if you got players that aren't throwing 92 miles an hour that are pitchers. Those kids can kind of get looked at by, um, you know, a variety of, of teams, whereas if you've got positional players, um, you, know, you got to kind of focus on those those coaches and, and those teams that 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 you know are looking for that type of kid who's a good athlete. Maybe the arm hasn't been used so much. Um, who can swing the bat and you know has good hands and good other you know intangibles. We did a story on um, your focus on the mental side of baseball, and um, it's a probably more than any other sport. There's so much failure uh, involved in baseball. How do you help guys, uh, you know, mentally prepare for games and competition? Well, now, uh, if anybody listening to the podcast uh, would laugh there because that's like my go-to thing nowadays is, is, you know, and I'm told by the Sam Harris's of the world who are these neuroscientists that you shouldn't be preaching about, you know, mindfulness uh, that you do. So I won't go there, but I mean, I try to get these kids to understand the concept of equanimity. And that's basically the even keel attitude that, you know, you don't want to try to hold on to all your success all the time. And you obviously don't want to hold on to all your failure. Um, So if you can understand that, get ground yourself into, you know, if you're about to go up and you're nervous and you just tell yourself, well, wait a minute, this is just conditioned. I've just put this story in my head. What if I strike out? What if this happens? What if that happens? And you stop with the storytelling and trying to think and just focus on your feet on the ground or focus on your arms swinging the bat, you know, that at some point over time, you know, that really takes hold. It's this concept of awareness, um, which you always have access to. So uh, we talk to the kids a lot about that stuff. Um, some of them are like, geez, you know, it goes over their head and that's fine. It would have gone over my head. Um, you know, and some kids do it anyways through superstitions. I had a lot of that when I was growing up and I don't know if that was all that healthy, but in the end, um, yeah, I think uh, 
moving forward, it'll be one of the single most important things for any of our kids. I look at, I think about it just as a teacher in the classroom, just because of, for better or for worse, their um, focus on, you know, phones and social media and getting so caught up in that stuff and not allowing themselves to just kind of be, and I mean, boredom, imagine, I mean, kids are like, if they're not on their phone, they're bored. Well, boredom's an issue, you know, you don't have to be bored, you know, you can just be aware. So anyways, those are the things we talk about. Nice. Uh, Max Meyer, who um, I remember when he committed, you know, I was with you doing a, an interview or no, no, not when he committed, when he got offered from Stanford. Yeah. Um, they just got eliminated in the College yeah. World Series. But I wanted to ask about the relationships that you have with guys who are off playing in college or even beyond college, like Tyler's playing professionally. And it seems yeah. like you're still keeping tabs on him. How do you kind of uh, foster those relationships and keep them going, you know, beyond uh, Lawrence Academy? Yeah, so that's um, you try to give them some space. I mean, and and that's the deal. I mean, it's a whole new world out there when they they get to college and even at the Division three level. And we do try to explain to these kids that that coaches, this is their job, you know. So their jobs are on the line. So they can't communicate the same way with their head college coaches they probably could with their high school coach because we see these kids in so many different capacities and they're going through their formative years and they're just young and 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 yeah impressionable so but we also need to prepare them for that next stage where you know they don't want to be like hit with reality and just like oh my gosh this is so different so you know but we also want to give them space too to kind of grow um with regards to max it's been great um you know because we hadn't communicated, let's say, over the last year or so, but recently we have, and I just text, and he immediately gets back to me. The same thing with Tyler. Um, I'm really proud of Max because, you know, he didn't pitch a lot during the year, um, but, wow, you know, he pitches against uh, Texas State, two innings, and they got to win that game to go to the College World Series, and then he pitched the other day, an inning in two-thirds, struck out the first two guys. He had some very, you know, some compliments that were thrown his way from the ESPN analysts like Carl Ravitch and Peterson, those guys. Um, yeah, he was throwing really well. Unique thing that happened is one guy that he threw up and into fouled it off and hit the camera of the catcher. So, and it, I mean, of the uh, umpire and it exploded the camera. <laughs> and so they kept showing that again and again on ESPN. But I think his confidence is high. And it's so interesting how coaches like Coach Esker will do that. This kid pitched 12 innings all year, and now he's pitching in the biggest games. And invariably, you know, I, I was talking to James Broderick. He's a um, played shortstop for me, and he's at, uh, he's at Wake Forest. He's a middle infielder. He's playing for the Keene Swamp Bats now with this kid, Lucas Costello. Um, and, yeah, he would say that's it. college coaches do that all the time. Yeah, they're looking for that fresh arm. You know, so here's a kid that thought he was going to be put out to pasture who is stepping in and now is thrown an inning in two thirds and at in Omaha. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's a cool story. Um, before we let you go, I do want to look ahead to 2023. What it what will um, what will your team look like? What are you expecting uh, Lawrence Academy to look like next year? And what do you think the the uh, landscape is in the ISL for 2023? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's always, it's tough, you know, you you, you just never want to go fallow for a year, you know, you never want to have to really rebuild. So fortunately, we have nine 
juniors that are rising seniors. Um, you know, the leadership will also um, obviously be a little bit different because we had such strong leadership. I see that those those kids that were juniors last year um, really looked up to the seniors, and I think that they'll carry that through. You know, I'm really optimistic. I'm excited about it. Um, yeah, I think we're we'll compete. I mean, and that's really all you can ask for. I think every year that's what we're looking to do because. Um, yeah, I, I mean, again, I really try to focus as much on Lawrence Academy as I can and not worrying about other teams. But um, there's, you know, BBNN has their key players back. I mean, they have Sandell back, who's an unbelievable shortstop. Um, they've got Hirsch back, who is Matt Hirsch, who was the co-player of the year with Jack McLaughlin, and he'll be on the mound. They'll be interesting there. Um, and then I think, obviously, every year... Um, Mike Grant's got a great squad at Belmont Hill. Um, David Calderizula does an unbelievable job at Roxbury Latin. Um, you've got St. Sebastian's, who's always in it um, and has traditionally been very strong. And then you've got some other teams. I, I, James Crampton, who's, who's doing well with, with, as I said earlier, at Governors, you know, and they're boarding boarding days uh boarding school mostly it's always harder for the boarding schools to compete you know just because in terms of the recruiting piece we don't have inside that 495 belt but uh, i probably believe leaving out some other teams and they're gonna say i'm nobles you know they always find a way they always beat us um <laughs> anyways so yeah i just think it's it's nice to have a full year under our belt and i think getting back into no pun intended but the swing of things with regards to another year in which it'll be a full season um and you know all these other teams that are outside our league that have become so strong like winchenden and being able to compete against those guys is an honor and yeah getting our southern trip i think that's always brings some camaraderie to the uh, to the team and to the kids it's always such a great time it's a sometimes a pain to plan it all out but once you're there it's just it's just awesome so i'm really just proud of all the coaches in the league and i'm, I'm proud of the isl for for doing what it does which is making sure that these kids don't allow baseball to define who they are but they allow being good people to define who they are and then they end up at uh, you know going off to schools that are really good fit for them and competing in baseball so i guess probably leave it at that but um yeah we'll see if we can get that playoff um going i think we'll probably be able to get that done sooner or later i hope hope the ad's aren't listening to this but yeah uh kenny uh, ackerman is is done a really good job of putting that stuff together and i think we'll be able to get something through soon nice well, good. Uh, well, thank you so much for taking the time after a championship season. It's been good to catch up on the ISL. Yeah, well, thanks, Dan. I always like talking baseball and stuff, and you have a great summer. I hope you have some good things planned with your family. Yeah, you too. Well, thanks to Chris Margraff for joining us in studio. Rate, review, subscribe to the Base Path Podcast on your preferred platform. Thanks to our producer, Steve Safran. The Base Path Podcast is a Siemens Media production. <laughs>